<sighs> okay. Be honest. How many of you are surprised by this? Or I guess perhaps more accurately, how many of you are not surprised by this? <sighs> you know what really irritates me? You can absolutely see what was being done for here. What was being attempted. Let's make a TOS episode homage. Bam! Let's do it by not going to any of the good, excellent, or awesome aspects of TOS, but most of the crap. It's impressive how much this episode manages to distill down most of the um, unpleasant, uncomfortable, awkward, and generally bad aspects of TOS into a single episode. This this is pretty good. I, I have to admit, I'm impressed in my own weird kind of a way. But I want to start with something. Before I go into this, this episode is by Kodo, directed by Croker. He does some cool stuff with the camera. Um, there's also another thing I'll talk about in a minute, but I want to start with this. I'm reminded of Code of Honor. No, this episode isn't nearly as bad as Code of Honor. <laughs> Even amongst lamentations, there's lamentations, you know what I mean? But that being said, I was reminded of it. And you know why? Because Code of Honor was arguably racist, but you could remove that from the table. Arguably sexist, but you could remove that from the table. Definitely character assassination-y, but you could remove that from the table. But even if you took away those three big points, you know what you were left with? A crap episode. You see how I relate this to Bound? What is this nonsense? They even... This is even part of the establishment. Like, they planned this. Uh, Marvin Rush was involved in this episode. Now, this is not his final uh, inclusion. He would actually still be involved with Trek all the way up to the end. But I wanted to mention him because I have mentioned him before. At least I'm pretty sure I have. It has admittedly been years from, even from my perspective, you know, minus two years from your perspective, or rather additional two years from your perspective. But point being, um, he has been involved as the director of photography since season three of TNG. I'm pretty sure I mentioned him because he was one of the... Um, he was one of the single, sorry, got a message. He was one of the single biggest people responsible for the change in the overall look of how they were showing the sets, you know, different lighting and different camera usage and different rigging with regards to TNG. And one of the reasons why, even ignoring the difference in creative staff, acting, and writing, season one and season two just look different from season three. Anybody who's seen TNG knows exactly what I'm talking about. Now, obviously, that's a team effort, but a lot of that sits on Marvin Rush's shoulders, and he has been director of photography throughout that, you know, TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. This episode is when he steps back and stops being director of photography. Now, I mention that because, again, he's not actually done with the show. Quite the contrary. Instead, he's shifting over to a new job, director. Uh, and he would actually start shifting over into being the main director for several episodes, and he'll do that a few times, and then the show was cancelled. Remember, though, but that by the time they were working on this episode, they hadn't yet heard news so, of the fact that it was cancelled, so this probably feels like just a natural shift in his overall career path at this point. If anything, it's probably a little bit out of date. That is to say, it's been a long time in coming. So, dragons! Okay, cool. Um, so, speaking of the fact that this episode sucks... I mean, I can't even, I can't even disguise it. I can't even, I, I can't. Name a redeeming fe feature in this episode. I, it's okay, I'm sure you could come up with one. I can't. 
even the Tucker trips or Tucker trip. Wow, Tucker to Paul stuff doesn't work for me. And I like those two actors together. In fact, I love those two actors together. And I think their relationship has been progressing pretty naturally up until more recently. So the cold open has an enemy ship show up. Actually, first we have a reference to Spock in, um, I wrote it down, this side of paradise and the dragons. Remember that? Anyways, so an enemy ship shows up. Power down your weapons or I will destroy you. Cut to credits. Cut back from credits. Power down your weapons. You power down yours. Let's power down on each other. Okay, now that we've done that, I'm here to trade. Um, so if you could come over to my ship, uh, we could talk trade, we could talk business. I've got a deal for you. This is what we call a fake-out uh, cold open, and we don't see a lot of those in Trek. I've seen a few of those in other fiction. I've even seen this done on purpose for comedic effect in certain shows. But this is really rare amongst Trek, where they are like, da-na-na-na, it's nothing. Uh, one of the other examples I could think of is all the way back in season two of TNG, funnily enough, where they did a cold open, which was all about, you know, oh my god, Worf has this terrible plague, medical emergency. It's nothing. It's fine. It has nothing to do with anything. It's weird to see this. And it, it's just, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh no, this episode sucks, doesn't it? And I know what you're thinking. Lore, everyone else tells you it sucks. Yeah, I don't always agree with general consensus. I do a decent number of the time. I'm not exactly contrarian. I love best of both worlds with the rest of us. But, um, yeah, I, I generally tr prefer to make up my own mind because you know, nuance and variance and etc. right? So I just walked into this thinking, okay, you know, let's see what we... Oh, oh damn it, it actually does suck. Crikey. So they're deciding to go over and talk so we can get one less hostile species. Okay. Um, hang on. That's the Orion Syndicate. Uh, that's a criminal organization that is predominantly sitting on slave trading, and you want to increase positive relations with them? Now, this could be a topic. It could. Think about this for a moment. Starfleet is weak. We've discussed this many times. And they are in a dangerous situation with not a lot of allies, and they're still trying to find their place in the galactic, excuse me, in the interstellar community, right? So they, there could be a whole dilemma. You could literally build an entire episode or more than one, make this a subplot about how Starfleet is willing to bend things a little bit and just be a little more accepting of the kind of people they would ally with just to remove the number of enemies they have because they simply can't stand up to that many enemies. And they need to reduce the number of enemies so that they can operate better, so they can get to the point where they can actually take a hardline stance against these sort of things. That's a dilemma. That's a topic not even addressed, not even mentioned. Instead, it's just, yeah, no, we're totally going to go and try to get friendly relations with the Orion Syndicate. Uh-huh. Okay. This then leads to Kelby, who is severely passive-aggressive. Now, he's being a dick here, and he is, so rule zero violator. Whap. Thing is, uh, Tucker mentions at the end of the episode that three days before that moment, he'd already put in for a transfer. Oh yeah, by the way, Tucker's back permanently in this episode. Told you it wouldn't last long. <sighs> Meanwhile, rather than ask Tucker outright 
what's going on with the shared psychic connection thing. Instead, she tries to approach him clandestinely and almost passively ask him about it. And this leads to the two bouncing off of each other because there's nothing I love more than seeing two people who have a good camaraderie and a decent relationship built on trust and honesty with each other, having both of them lie to each other for what is effectively no good reason. I already complained about this back in Season 3, so just copy-paste, copy-paste, moving on. This gets a reference to the Gorn. Cool. That's cool. Uh, we actually get a couple of decent references in this one. And then at the seven-minute mark, the Bikini Ladies show up to dance. And I didn't write down the name of the, all the actresses. Although, in fact, I didn't write down the name of any of them. One of them was actually Zial's actress. And I recognized Amelia. She's the one who mostly interacts with Archer, who kind of comes across as the leader, probably because she has the most lines of dialogue. Zial's first actress, by the way, not the second one. Because... We already talked about that. So, that's cool. Okay. For two solid minutes, I counted, they just do this sexy dance thing, which has absolutely no purpose other than, hey, here's some women in bikinis dancing. You remember... Ah, TOS. I don't remember the exact episode name. I think it's Whom Gods Destroy. Catwoman was playing an Orion girl. You remember that? And she had a dance sequence. Now, I bring this up. I don't remember my comments on that exactly, even though it's only been like six months since I recorded that video. But I bring that up because I remember being impressed by her dancing because she was actually a professionally trained dancer and, and that was actually pretty good. And she did a good job with it. And it wasn't two solid minutes of this crap. And I only comment on that because it shows the contrast, doesn't it? Even that is something that could be considered objectionable. But this? This is nonsense. Also, it makes me wonder why her pheromones weren't working back in that episode, but whatever. So two solid minutes of sexy. Okay. I, I am irritated that I even have to talk about this. I'm just going unlike, to... Unlike Tucker and Tipple, I'm going to drop all pretense. I'm going to drop all attempt to be charismatic and jokey, and I'm just going to be, like, blunt. For a couple minutes. Is that cool? Cool. So, sexy women are awesome, right? Like, that. I'm into that. And I do absolutely find there to be physical attractiveness to the female quality. I know I say that very bluntly and blandly, but you know me. I think in terms of numbers. What do you want from me? So, sexy women. Cool. You're going to do anything with it, or are you just going to have sexy women parading out to be sexy? Because, in my opinion, if you're not going to do anything with it, then you've already got a mark against you. That leads us to the second mark, the most common mark, the excuse mark. The excuse mark actually irritates me more, because it's dishonest. The most infamous example I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Quiet from Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh, it's okay, she has to breathe through her skin, that's why she's parading around in a bikini. The problem is this is a really complex topic, legitimately. And, of course, the episode doesn't do anything with it because it's just trying to be TOS. And TOS, well, was made in the 60s. I, I don't have a better way of putting that. So instead of, you know, actually having any nuance or subtlety or point or presentation or even, and I'm going to be blunt about this, sexiness, instead we see women in bikinis dancing around. That's the other thing. One of the things that Trek often forgets is that there's ways to be sexy other than just going for 
how do I explain this? The brute force method. Do some of you know what I mean by that? Like, it's instead of trying to have nuance or... Let me me try to be specific. Instead of trying to have, like, a scenario or, like, an idea or maybe an implication, instead they just so... They're like, here, bikini. It's sexy, right? You know, it's like trying the most brute force method to try and invoke the thing rather than trying to present it in a way that has any kind of depth to it. And I know, this is sound like a weird thing to comment on, but it, it, it's pretty much the entire focus of the episode, so I might as well. And at this point, we're almost done with Trek. Anyway, so whatever, right? <sighs> to Paul in her Vulcan robes looks sexier than this. Why? Because they sit well on her. Because they emphasize her figure and her curves, because they help accentuate her jawline, which is an excellent jawline, and make her face look in nice contrast to the rest of it. There is design there. Design that actually does make her look legitimately physically attractive. By contrast, if you decide to just sort of show a woman in a bikini, I'll go to Star Trek Into Darkness for the obvious example of that, that's just brute force. That's just bonk, and there it is. There's nothing there. There's no design to it. Does that make sense? This is why there's so much thought that goes into dress designs and suit designs, obviously, as well, because this isn't exactly gender-specific. Trying to make someone look attractive is a whole massive layer of multiple different art forms that all combine onto each other and, and, and are intended to be work in specificity. I feel mostly bad for these three actresses, not because of the bikinis, because the freaking green paint that had to have been extremely awkward to endure for quite a bit of screen time. They have, they're not exactly on camera for a short period of time. And that had to have taken forever to put on. I don't even want to think about taking it off unless it's just wash away, in which case that's even worse because that means it's probably susceptible to sweat and smearing and therefore touch-ups and that's just a colossal pain, right? But that's my point, isn't it? I'm not thinking, ho, ho, ho. I'm thinking, oh, God, that's got to be so uncomfortable. The biggest thing that caught my attention during the two-minute scene is the fact that whatever his frickin' name was, he's, I actually wrote his name down, William uh, Lucking. He played Pharrell back in DS9. He comes off as rather affable, which is funny, because he did the same thing back in DS9. One of our earliest recurring guest stars over on DS9. Anyways, he's got the freaking. Uh, the piercings in his face, like there's one over here on his lower left jaw and one in his upper right jaw. And that's, I was just so bored. You can't force sexy. It doesn't work that way. I mean, it can work that way if you're, and there's no nice way to say this, young, and you don't have any kind of, you know, development and your hormones are just pounding in your ears. You know what that's like. I'm sure you do. I know what that was like. This very episode mentions that at one point Travis had to transport some Deltons when he was 15. That sounds like hell. (laughs) Because, again, you're not regulating yet. Arguably, you don't even know entirely exactly what you're into at that age. Instead, all you know is that you're into it. Because, you know, physiology, right? (sighs) Maybe I'm just an old man at this point. I don't know. But this all feels extremely cheap. And that's the final comparison I wanted to make. This is a $2 McDonald's hamburger. It's food. It's got meat. 
question mark. And it's, it's technically something that'll fill you up. But if you compare this to something that's a full, like an, an actually good, but you ever have an actually good hamburger? I have. I make them. I'm actually legitimately proud of how good my burgers are. I like to vary it up a little bit, you know, just just kind of throw some stuff into the meat while I'm cooking, like jalapeno bits or something like that. Maybe get some good pretzels, uh, pretzel for the bun, you know. I, I've tried wrap burgers, too. Those are great. And lettuce wrap burgers are amazing. Oh. I make a damn good burger. Comparing that $2, you know, the thing that used to be the 30-cent hamburger, to that, and that's this episode and the way it approaches sexy, specifically. It's just cheap and it tastes bad <sighs> this is the oomph by the way this is one of the reasons i'm going off on this topic initially because if you know me and god i hope this is our last lamentation although there's one more episode that might be we haven't decided yet we're not there yet i hope this is our last lamentation for track but the or at least for you know the trek i've covered which is everything up to up to this really um you have to have an extra oomph for it to qualify as lamentation. Just being terrible isn't enough. Otherwise, we'd have more. This is the oomph for me. This is childish, juvenile, and frankly insulting. And I'm saying that as a guy who is into women, who finds women sexy, I find this insulting. I can't even imagine what other people do. Feel free to jump into the comments and tell me what you think. Really? Because I'm actually curious. So, the two minutes finally ends, and then we have the trade deal. Hey, you, um, you're um, you trading with the Orions. I, I, whatever, we've already covered that. So first point, they come on the ship and they don't change their outfit immediately. I don't know, maybe I'm just the weirdo, but I would figure that one of the first orders of business is getting them some clothes. No, not because I'm a prude, because they're wandering around in bikinis on a starship. Offer them some freaking clothing. But okay, okay, they have to get to their guest quarters first so they can get then get clothing. Okay, that's a little understandable. I'm sure they'll actually get clothing sometime before the end of the episode. <sighs> then, uh, it's been a while. There's been arguments. People have been late and delayed. Reed and Travis are trying to work out. The pain helps take their mind off it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that's the thing that irritates me so much. Again, Travis talks about being 15 and dealing with the Deltons. That's the other reference I mentioned earlier. I, I can't even imagine dealing with a race that is openly sexual, like in an open kind of a way, and is supposed to be resoundingly beautiful. I don't, I don't remember if Deltons actually have like a physiology thing or it's just whatever. Um, when you're 15, like that, that just so that really does sound like some kind of hell. That could even be a topic to discuss. It's not, and it's never brought up. It's just something that's kind of said for laughs. This then leads to Phlox's hair, which is all out of sorts. Probably one of the better subtle touches here. And the women are all having headaches, and then he passes out. You know, it's mentioned that it doesn't affect T'Pol because she's Vulcan. And it doesn't. It affects Phlox differently because he's Denobulan. Why is this relevant? Because it establishes that it changes how it affects you based on your species. Okay, that makes sense. It is pheromone-based, after all. I wonder how this would affect Klingons. Remember, the Klingons share a border with the Orions. The Orions are run by the women, and Chancellor Chimpek 
regularly has interactions with Orion women. Think about it. Anyways, um, so then we have an f- argument between Kelby and Tucker. I want to I wanna feel bad for Kelby, but I just don't. He's just such a dick. They actually literally frame the shot so you can see an Orion woman in between Kelby and Tucker. Cute. Then we cut to a scene where the primary one, the one played by Zial's first actress, is lying on a sheet. And this probably once again says something about me, but my first thought is, God, that's got to be terrible. That's probably smearing that makeup all over the sheets and pillows. <laughs> right? Anyways. So he comes in, he's like, hey, you know, slavery has been illegal for centuries. It... Where do I begin? Okay. So something being illegal is kind of a separate category entirely from something being right or wrong, or even correct or incorrect. It's just something that is currently a law. Being a Jedi was illegal in the Galactic Empire, just to name one example, right off the top of my head. That doesn't mean anything, really. Legality just has to do with the current government and isn't what I would call the strongest opening play to mention. Now, I know. Archer's kind of out of it, and he's got some issues, and he just really wants to kiss Zial, which is kind of gross. But that's pro- maybe that's one of the reasons I can't find her attractive, because it's I, just, I see, keep seeing Zial. Even though it's actually not the main actress who played her, it's still whatever. Anyways, <clears throat> so it's like, hey, you know, may, maybe not going for the legality route, route might be a good idea. Maybe say that our species finds the idea repugnant, that we're anti-slavery. Because while there are a lot of economic and legal reasons why human beings in real life decided to you know, ban and illegalize slavery, there was a whole lot of another thing behind that, too. A slightly different thing, a little bit more of the fact that it's a horrifically disgusting practice and we kind of wanted to be done with that garbage. Maybe kind of put a little bit more into that. Oh, I've got another idea. How about just say that you personally are against slavery. Unless you're not. Is is that the point here? Is that archery? Because usually when you say something's illegal in the manner that he did this, especially in fiction, what you're saying is, I don't want to risk that. Not, I don't want to do that. And that's a clear and absolute distinction. Because you're only not doing it because it's illegal. But if it was legal, oh man, I totally have so many slaves. And that's the impression I get from how Archer's presented in this damn scene. Forgive me for ripping this apart, but the way he says the line, the way Bacula says the line, I don't know if that's in the script, the actor, or the director. But that is absolutely what I get from it, and I just wanted to slug him. But it's okay, because it's illegal, so totally not going to do it, right? I mean, we've never done illegal things on Enterprise. Then Archer orders the destruction of the ship, and people are just like, yeah, okay. At least Reed flat out refuses to do it. But still, what? And again, in credit of the episode, they figure out pretty quickly that something is up, and they immediately go and try to, you know, arrest the, the Orions and then get Flocks involved. Now, I gotta jump in here really quick. Based on the really close camera shots and the way they were showing it, I was I wasn't a hundred percent sure if the Orions were in the decon chamber or if they were in the brig. Now I just put that as a question mark. Later on in the episode, uh, I think it's Reed flat out mentions that they actually escaped from the decon chamber. The decon chamber, 
being the thing that is designed to keep something absolutely isolated from the rest of the ship. That's logical, right? So how is the rest of the crew still being affected? Now, you could argue that the pheromones take a while to die out or, or leave the system, which, okay, that's valid. But that does make me look at this and wonder, what? Ha, but here's another interesting question for you while we're on the subject. If you just shoot the Orions, stun, as in if they're unconscious, un unconscious do they still exude pheromones? Because see, pheromones, that's a chemical thing which is something that's actually still debated, its influence and relevance to human beings. We obviously know a great deal about it when it comes to bugs and animals and plants, but with regards to people? So I find myself wondering, would they still be a threat if you just... Bzz? Considering towards the end of the episode they managed to flush their systems via some method, why don't they start doing that immediately? Don't they have something on this ship to cycle the air, at the very least? To get it out of the air? No? Okay. Meanwhile, they decide to leave a male, Mako, to defend them. That's a good idea. It's okay, he's into guys, so we're cool. <sighs> I shouldn't joke about that, because that's the other problem, in it? <sighs> Another topic I don't want to discuss. Fiction has this bad habit, Trek has done this before, of assuming that something that would affect based on gender lines affects universally. So... That's fun. Anyways. Um, then we find out that Tucker is immune because he mated with T'Pol, which means they have a psychic link and she's immune. Therefore, uh, you know, I've had to swallow a lot of weird things in track. I've, I've swallowed worse than this. But the thing is, and this is an analogy I've used before. I'm willing to put up with crap if you do something good with it. That, that's pretty much the core precept, the cloud effect, right? Um, it, it's like you know taking the medicine with a spoonful of sugar idea, which actually don't don't do that. A whole spoonful of sugar is terrible, but you get the idea, right? You, know, you, you take you, you take the the pill with a little bit of something to make it easier to go down, and then you can swallow it. Like like that's the overall point of the analogy. The problem here is they don't do anything with it. They don't go anywhere with it. So instead, this is just, hey, you're immune because we need someone else to be immune this episode. What's really sad is they've been building this up. They have actually laid bricks to establish this point so that Tucker would be immune to this freaking chemical attack as of this episode. Which just makes me sad that so much effort has been put into something that is this. <sighs> Meanwhile... We find out that, uh, God, I didn't write down his name. William Lucking's character shows up. He's like, hey, I'm here to capture you because there's a bounty on your head. Okay, why didn't you take him when he was enthralled with the two-minute solid dance and you were sitting inches from him or you could have poisoned them there or you could have done anything else? I mean, there's options here, but no. Okay, we're going to go ahead and do the plot because we need to have the sexy women after all. I mean, what would be the point of the episode without that? This then leads to... Um, the big twist. This doesn't make it better. The women actually tr tr command the syndicate. Now, let me pause a moment and say that that is an awesome idea. Really. 
not the sexy part of the impl- uh, the implementation, but rather the concept that the people who run an organization are the people you wouldn't expect to do so, that they are hiding in plain sight as the servitors, when in fact they're the ones calling the shots. You remember back in, whatever it was, one of the Augment episodes, I think it was uh, the Augments, or it was the first one of them, when they first have their interactions with the Orions, I made a point of mentioning that the one Orion woman was, you know, Oh, yeah, she's being sold off, and, and people are desperately trying to get her. You remember that? That's infiltration. That is secretly selling off the leaders of your government as slaves so they can then influence and manipulate other groups. There's a weird brilliance to that in its own right, and it makes me wonder how much more they could have done with this concept of, again, infiltration of using this this fakery in order to try and showcase the idea of how the Orion Syndicate has managed to do as well as it has, despite most logic saying that it should probably be crushed by now, especially since the Orion Syndicate continues to operate as of DS9's time. But as usual, the only interest, the other only interesting, because there's another one, the other only interesting idea in the episode is not even addressed. It's only there to make it okay for the women to be sexy. Which sounds familiar. I feel like there's an angel over in one of the episodes of TNG that was addressing something like that, but I, I can't remember the name of it. Regardless, this then leads to Tucker coming to the, sh- the bridge and shooting Reed and then Archer and then Travis, and not the women. Why? These women are actively trying to take control of the ship because they're the ones actually operating this, and they are trying to take Archer and probably kill him. Shoot them. But no, can't have that. What? While I'm on the subject, though, you know how much I dislike this episode? There's a bit where the generic battle music is playing. Now, I've kind of stopped commenting on the music pretty much ever since the moment in TNG when, you know, they switched over to the generic wallpaper music. Because the overwhelming amount of modern Trek has the generic wallpaper music. I commented on it back in Basics because that was, from my perspective, the first time it came up. And I've commented on it a couple of times when they have bucked the trend over in Deep Space Nine. But for the most part, I've just been letting it alone, because there's nothing new to add to that. It's generic wallpaper music. But I bring it up here, because it just caught my attention how they've won. Like, they've defeated the enemy. The enemy ship is disabled. The crew is taken. The the three are there at gunpoint. And yet the generic battle tension music is still playing throughout the scene. It's almost like someone forgot to segue it into the, you know, the slightly, the slightly victorious song. You could probably hear it. Just picture in your head right now the song. It's like, dun, 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 dun. Serve their disabled, dun, 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 dun. And it kind of goes up into a higher, uh, higher note and, uh, a more, uh, major key instead of minor. And then it's like, and it starts to slow down in pace. And you, you could picture it, right? Or hear it, whatever. But they don't do that. Instead, they just keep playing the generic tension music until the scene ends. Just to show that they screw everything up, not only do they do that, then we have an extremely weird scene between Tucker and T'Pol. I don't even know what to make of this scene. The two keep bouncing off of each other, and then Tucker basically is petty in order to try and convince her to admit that she wants him to stay. And then he flat out says, this thing between us ain't a big deal. Now, I think I get the point of that, but I'm sorry, what? That's... That's your big payoff, is the two are... 
I'm not even going to mention the fact that they try to pull the TOS everyone laughs at Spock thing in the immediately previous scene. As ever and always, I am curious of your all's thoughts. I, uh, many times in the past, I've had people say that episodes should be lamentations where I didn't describe them. And I've had many people disagree when I have listed an episode as lamentation. I am actually quite curious what the response is going to be on this one. It's a shame I'm have to wait so damn long. As of the moment when I'm recording this, this episode will officially go live over two years from now. So it's going to be a little bit. But, as ever... Looking forward to your comments and thoughts. Please let this be the last lamentation. I know the other one's coming up. But, you know, I reserve judgment till we get there. So we'll see. Next up we have, uh, I think, the actual final arc. If I'm remembering correctly, what I consider to be the actual final. Oh, no! Next up we have the Mirror Universe. Next up we're just going to have some fun. So, I hope you have enjoyed. See you next time. <laughs>